0: Has spoken my heart your word is the lamp we will do forever I'm humbled and we will understand oh, 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 oh. and I'm Anybody else get convicted last week? Anybody with me? I, I was convicted. Um, you know, not complaining. It says do all things without grumbling or complaining in Philippians chapter 2. So what happened is after the service last week, uh, Pam and I had to, or got to fly to Indiana. And so we headed right to Ontario Airport, gone on the plane. It took us till midnight to get in. And we go to this hotel that's a pretty big brand name hotel and uh, go to sleep. And my first meeting, I've got to be up at 4 a.m. California time. So I get up, and I go to take a shower, and there's only cold water. And the towel is like the thinnest towel I've ever seen in my life. So I'm freezing cold, not a great start. I head down to the breakfast area, lift up the pan. The eggs are like soup. They're so runny. And I take a drink of what may be the worst coffee I've ever had in my life, and I sit down realizing I can't complain. Right? So I'm sitting there, and the words come in my mind, it could be worse. And I don't know if it's because I was so tired. I don't know if it's the Lord, but I just started laughing. Now, if you ever started laughing and you can't stop, I'm sitting in a fairly crowded area laughing with my Bible in hand, and everyone's looking at me like, who's that weird guy? But it got more fun. I mean, I started having a blast, and I realized more than ever, when we put ourselves in God's hand, he does that. He creates joy for us when no one else can have it. Uh, Pam and I celebrated Sabbath on on Friday, and one of the things we decided to do this time was to read Scripture to each other out of different versions we don't normally read from. And uh, I was reading Psalm 37 to her out of the New Living Translation, and verse 23 just jumped off the page. And it said this, it says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He, God, delights in every detail of their lives. Do you realize God delights in every single detail of your life? That God directs your steps, but He also delights in in, in runny eggs for breakfast, in cold showers. In moments that you and I aren't even very aware of that he always is. Because every detail of your life matters to him because he loves you so much. And that's what we're about to pick up on. There's a power to words. And we saw it last week. Complaining can curse us. Praise can bless us. Faithful words can take us to a whole new level. And we're about to look at that again in the life of Joshua. Let's pray and ask God to move. Father, I know that you're here. And I ask, oh God, for you to stir in our hearts right now. I know that every single person in this room, every man, every woman, every guy, and every girl matters to you. And I know you have things you want us to know and and truths you want us to get. So I ask now for your spirit to move, to take us beyond ourselves, to listen to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, what we saw is that God does want to direct steps. God does want to delight in every detail. And so we see that right in the very beginning of the story in the Garden of Eden. Uh, God creates the heavens and the earth, and God creates Adam and Eve, and God wants to have intimacy with them. That's the desire. And we saw that everything God created was what? It was not just good. It was very good. And God wants the very, very, very good life for you. He wants that for you. He desires that for you. And so when we're living our life with God, guess what we get? We get the very, very good. Then we saw something, though, that sin messes that up. And we're going to see that again in our our section in chapter 7 today. That sin messes it up and ruins everything. But then we got to Abraham. And Abraham begins to get the very good, how? He accesses it by faith. Because he has faith in God, and follows God, and lives that out, he is given his heart's desire. He was a childless man who desired a family, and he was given a son. And not only a son, he was given the promise of a family, and the promise of a people, and the promise of a nation. And God gave him all of that. And he began to live out that life that's beyond imagination, that the Bible says, eye is not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into the heart of man, the imagination of our hearts, what God has prepared for those who love him. How did he get it? He gets it by faith. Then we saw that the, the children of Israel are in the land of Egypt and they began to flourish there, but then things turn on them. And, and as it turns, God on purpose wants to use that to give birth to a nation and he calls Moses to lead them out. And Moses leads them to a mountain. Where now they're going to become a nation. And they're given the Ten Commandments. And they're given the tabernacle. And if you were with us, you saw why. Because God wanted intimacy with them. He wanted a place to meet. And he wanted them to have an understanding of what it meant to be in a relationship with him. And it was all about love. And it was all about intimacy. Then they were to take an 11-day journey to the promised land. And they would get right on the verge of the promised land, right on the border of a land that God said is flowing with milk and honey, would bless them beyond their imagination, and they don't go in. Now why? Remember they sent 12 spies in, 10 came back saying, there's just no way this will work. They were complaining about it. They weren't faithful. They didn't have words of faith. They cursed themselves. They cursed their people. Two were faithful, Joshua and Caleb. And they were the only ones. And they could not turn the tide. All they could see was the good God would do, and is going to do, the power of God and how it would work. But the others overwhelmed them. And the complaining group wins out. Because of lack of faith and because of complaining, they end up not being allowed to inherit the promise, which, by the way, we need to take warning. Well then for the next 40 years they wander in the wilderness till everybody 20 years of age and over dies. And God's plan then was to bring them back to the promised land and now they're standing on the very verge of the promised land. Again, will they go in? Will they inherit it? Will they get it? That's the question. But there's one one glaring issue that they've got to face. Moses has died. Now, Moses was the only one who brought miracles, and Moses was the only one who brought victory. Joshua now has been appointed to be the new leader. He's never, ever done one miracle. Not one. And the only time he experienced victory was because Moses backed him. If you have your Bibles, look what it says in Exodus 17, verse 11, talking about when they were fighting the Amalekites. And it says this. So it came about when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other. And thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed the Amalekites and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, now, did you catch what happened there? Only when his hands were up, but now there's no Moses. And the question is, is Joshua going to be able to lead them to victory? And he right now, because of this, seems like the least likely candidate for the job. But God loves to use the least likely. Don't miss that. God loves to take you and I, when we seem the least likely to be able to pull it off, and he empowers us and brings us to that moment. And we see Joshua now actually become a man of victory, a man who overcomes, a man who wins. And we start learning from him. And I want to tell you again this story, the story we're reading while true. It's one that we need to learn from. And so let me (coughs) hit you with this. God wants you to overcome. God wants you to win. And there are three keys, three characteristics of Joshua that cause him to be an overcomer. So I want to apply these to my life. I'm going to ask you to apply them to your life. I want to ask you to write it down. But I'm going to use the word I because I'm talking to me. And I'd like you to use the word I and talk to you. So what is the number one thing that we see? Number one. To overcome, to have victory, I must have a faithful heart. I must have a faithful heart. By the way, you too. If you want to overcome, you've got to have a faithful heart. Now, what does God say about that in Joshua 1, starting in verse 6, all the way to verse 9? God says to him, be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Notice that idea of success. Then look at verses eight and nine. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now this is the promise that God calls him to. He says, I need you to be a strong and courageous person. Three times in four verses, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. And by the way, God is calling for you and I to be that way. He doesn't want us to be a people of fear or fretting. He doesn't want us to be people who are filled with worry. He wants us to have confidence in him and to move in that confidence by being strong and courageous. 2 Timothy 1.7 says uh, that God is not given, you and I, a spirit of timidity or fear, but of power and love and self-control. That's what Dale brought out today at communion. And, and that power is empowering by the Holy Spirit. It's something beyond you. But like Dale said, when you're plugged into the source, it changes everything. And, and what happens, our heart changes. Our heart is his. Our heart is devoted to him. So here's the thing you want to grab hold of. How do you and I get a strong and courageous heart? The answer is by hiding God's word in it, by by putting the word of God in, by meditating on scripture. That's what he told Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, memorize it, but you shall meditate on it day and night, and then you do all that's written in it, not some. Do everything written in it, and then you will find prosperity and success. Now, there's probably some of you, if you're thinking, you're going, okay, well, that was for Joshua. What about for me? Well, did you know God promised that to you too? Psalm chapter 1. This promise is for you and the promise is for me. It says, Psalm 1.1. Oh, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And catch this. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Then if you do that, if I do that, what happens to us? It says, we will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever you do, whatever you do, you will prosper. Now, see, if our hearts are right, if our hearts are faithful, our hearts are strong, if we we are courageous like God wants us to be, are you ready? God's going to take you to a place where you're going to begin to experience him. So it starts with the heart. We need to have a strong and faithful heart. Now, you ready for this? The second thing we need to do is we must take the risk. So if I'm going to be a person who experiences God and victory from God, number two, I must take the risk. I must take the risk. I've got to have faith. By the way, if I have a heart of faith, I'll have actions of faith. Faith is never passive. Make sure you don't miss that. Faith is never, ever passive. Faith is active, and if I really have faith in my heart, I'll have faithful acts in my life. and so I must be willing to take the risk. Joshua needed to do that. You and I need to do that. Sometimes you've got to step up and take the risk. I don't know if you heard about the guy who was walking to the very gates of heaven. St. Peter looked at him and said, um, "Why should I let you in?" And the guy looked at him and said, "I don't know that you should." And Peter goes, well, have you ever done anything for anyone else? Have you ever taken the risk? And the guy said, well, yeah, actually I have. Um, I was driving down the road one time and I saw a gang of motorcycle riders off their motorcycles surrounding a woman. They had her pinned in, and they were ready to do something to her that was obviously not going to be good. And I knew calling 911 wouldn't work. So I pulled over, and I ran in the midst of them, and I told them, back off, back off, all of you guys. And they looked at me, and I got between them and the woman, and I said, you guys back off. But they weren't about to back off. So I looked at the biggest guy there, and I reared back, and I punched him as hard as I could right in the nose. And then I looked at her and said, now run. And then she ran, and she got away. And St. Peter said, that's incredible. When did that happen? The guy said, 10 minutes ago. (laughs) 10 minutes ago. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm not telling you how it's going to turn out, but at least you'll go to heaven. Uh, We need to be people who take action. And see, when we do that, something amazing occurs. And in Joshua chapter 3, we see him be a man of active faith. It says in verse 5, then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Whoa. I don't know if you haven't caught it. Remember, this guy has never done a miracle. And he said to everybody, you make sure you're right with God tonight, because tomorrow you're going to see miracles. Tomorrow God's going to do something amazing. Now, are you ready? When they got up in the morning, if nothing happens, he's done. Have you thought? I mean, think about it. If nothing happens, he's over. He's lost everything. He's put himself on the line. And the next morning, he's about to show them something incredible. And then you look down at verse 13 and look what it is. It shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth rest in the waters of the Jordan. uh, The waters of the Jordan will be cut off. And the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. You see what he said? We're going to see the Jordan part. At the time of year when the Jordan River was raging, where where swimming across it would be very difficult, especially if you had robes on. And it's going to be impossible if you're wearing big robes and carrying the ark. And then he said, you're going to see it part like the Red Sea parted. Well, a little bit different. When the Red Sea parted, how did it happen? Moses held up the, the rod of Aaron, and it parted, and they walked on dry land. Did you see what Joshua said here? He said this isn't going to part till you step in the water. And if they step in the water and it doesn't part, the priest and the ark are going downstream. Do you want to be the guy who lost the ark? He this is a risk. He's taking a huge risk here. But by the way, please don't miss this. You and I, if you want to live a life with God where he delights in every detail of your life, God is going to call you to walk in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, which means we've got to take the risk. And and in those moments, you're going to know it's a risk. Let's talk about a couple areas where we all need to take the risk. Let me give you one. Sharing your faith. Inviting people to church and talking to them about Jesus. Now, let me tell you the number one reason people do not do that. You want to know the number one reason? They're afraid. But God says, be strong and courageous. We're afraid they'll say no. We're afraid they'll ask us something we don't know. And by the way, let me tell you, I'm not immune to that. Some of you might say, but you're a pastor and and that's what you do. Well, I got to tell you, I still get those feelings. One time I was at Cal State Fullerton. I'm sitting there. I was going to be speaking to a group, and I'm just reading my Bible. And a guy doesn't ask. He just sits down next to me. And he said, what are you reading? And I know what's about this. That's called an open door. Got a big Bible. What are you reading? And and you know what happened? Man, my heart starts to beat, and I'm starting to think, and I'm looking at the Bible, and I'm trying to think of what I'm going to say next, and I'm praying, God, help me in this moment. And, you know, I, I thought, what if he asked me? I mean, something I don't know. And you know how that feeling, and then they, I just took the risk and, and started talking to them, and it opened the door, and I started sharing with them. And uh, I got to tell you, I, I have those feelings too, but here's what I want you to grab hold of. If you ever want to do a really fun study of the Bible, go to the New Testament and look up every single time it says, fill with the Holy Spirit. And you know what you're going to find? Every time it says it, it's because someone spoke. If they don't speak, they're not filled. Now, some of us go, well, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'll speak. And you know what God says? Nope. You speak. You step in the Jordan, and I'll part it. And you're like, what? The other day, I'm standing there. One of my neighbors walks over and says, hey, what are you doing this weekend? I'm a pastor. <laughs> he knows I'm a pastor. I'm going to golf. No, uh, you know. I mean, seriously, think about it. So what, that's an open door. And I want my neighbor to come to church. But I turned and looked and thought, uh-oh, here it goes. You know why? I, I think all of us, and we share in this, we know how important it is. We probably don't want to say the wrong thing. We don't want to put someone off. But you know what God is saying? Take the risk. Invite. Pray and invite. Pray and share. Pray and care. Just do it. And watch what God does. And, and amazing things occur when that happens. we got to take the risk. How about another one? Tithing. The Bible's clear. The first 10% of whatever you get, you give to God first. Not second. Not wait till you can afford it. You give it to him first. What is the number one reason people do not tithe? Are you ready? Fear. We just look at it and go... "Ah." I don't know. And yet God and Malachi said, test me now in this. By giving all the tithe, bring all the tithe to the storehouse, to the church, and then see if I will not open the windows of heaven on you. And we're all going, well, God, if you'd open the windows of heaven, then I'll tithe. But you know what God is saying? No, you got to step in the Jordan. And, and here's the thing. The vast majority of us, we look at that and go, I don't know if I can afford to. I don't know if living on 90% and giving God 10%, I will have more. But by the way, all of us who tithe, what do we have? We have more. And it just always happens. And you know what? But, you, but people go, I just can't see how it's going to work. And God goes, right. Walk by faith and not by sight. Step in the Jordan. See what I'm about to do. And, and I got to tell you, it's scary for us to do that. And, and so God is saying, but trust me. Test me even. See what I'm about to do with you and for you. I delight in every detail of your life. Are you going to do it? And, and you know what? Joshua, Joshua had him step in and the waters parted and great things happened. And, and so what do we see? We see a miracle at the Jordan. Now, where do they go next? They go to Jericho. And, and they're looking at Jericho, which is a very fortified city. And notice what God says to him here in Joshua 6, verse 2. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the valiant warriors. Now, you know what? These men are trained. They have a huge army, a fortified city. And did you see what God said in verse 2? It's already yours. You already have it. Well, Joshua's looking at these high fortified walls, and he knows laying siege could take a long time. Nebuchadnezzar, with the power of the Babylonian empire, laid siege to the city of Tyre, and it took him 13 years, and he failed. Sieges were long and arduous times, and and they're hemmed in. They've been planning for this, and Joshua's looking, and God said, I've already given it to you. So how long is it going to take? Well, with God, seven days. In seven days, it's theirs. And you remember how he got it? They marched around the city blowing trumpets, and the walls fell, and God gave it into their hands. And here's the thing I want you to know. God has already told you that you have the victory. He told Joshua, you've got the city, and he got it. He's told you, you have the victory. And you might say, I have this problem and that problem. And God said, if you trust me, you already have the victory. In Romans, it says, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, it says that thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. God has already told you you're going to win. He's just going to say, are you ready to go with me? Are you ready to take the risk? If you and I will be faithful, he'll direct our steps. God directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of our life. But we have to be willing to say, all right, God, I'm going to do it. I will face the Jericho moment. And I'll do it. I'll step in the Jordan. And you go, but wait, what if there's a failure? Well, then we got to ask Why? Because Joshua does take Jericho, but he loses at I, the city Ai, Ai, I mean, Jericho, there's no way they could win and they win. I was a, a smaller city they should have easily taken and they lose. And people die. And Joshua is so distraught, he falls on his face, he's crying to God. The Hebrew there is very intense as he's weeping and pleading with God, filled with frustration, filled with humiliation. God, how did this happen? And God tells him in Joshua 7 verse 10. So the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them. And they have even taken some of the things which are under the ban, and have both stolen and deceived. Now, the ban, God said, I don't want you to take any of the things. It's yours. That's not why we're doing this. Don't take them. And some of them took them. And then it says, moreover, they have also put these among their things. Verse 12, therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their back before their enemies, for they have become accursed. They were supposed to be blessed, and now they're cursed. And it says, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. You know, God is not going to bless us if we're in sin. You can't have secret sin. There can't be sin in the camp. Churches fall and fail because of sin in the camp. Families get messed up because of sin in the camp. Here, people died because of sin in the camp. And uh, we need to understand, God is not going to abide by that. He is not going to bless us if we're not going to be faithful. He's not going to to be with us and cause us to have success if we're going to allow these things to hold on to us. In Numbers 32, 23, it says, Surely your sin will find you out. And I have been around God long enough to see him do that. I I know the Bible teaches it. I've seen him do it. Um, There's a woman who I want to tell you about. Matter of fact, interestingly, I didn't realize her... uh, brother-in-law was in the last service but I haven't seen her for years but man this woman's a godly woman and her husband's a neat neat guy and one night she's uh, on her couch and she's doing her quiet time her husband was out on business and uh, she's reading the word and she goes to pray and she closes her eyes and starts to pray and when she gets done she opens them and she screams because right in front of her this had never happened before she sees a woman's face I mean, crystal clear, this woman's face looking at her. And she shuts her eyes and begins to pray and asks God to drive it away. In the name of Jesus, don't let it be here. And she opens her eyes, and it's there. It's still there. And she said, God, what is going on? And, And here's what happened next. While she had sensed God speaking to her, he spoke to her. I mean, there's a voice. And it says, the pastor who's mentoring you, God named his name, The pastor who's mentoring you is having an affair with that woman. And she said, God, is this you? And it came again. The pastor who's mentoring you is having an affair with that woman. Well, she's beside herself. Her husband pulls up a little while later. She runs outside to meet him and said, I had a vision. He said, You had what? And she tells him the vision. And and he said, You've got to keep quiet. You cannot say anything. This man's back then, he was the pastor of one of the largest churches in the United States, one of the most famous pastors in the country. And uh, he had done so much for them. Well, it was a few days later, she's at a women's gathering, and uh, uh, someone's speaking, but she senses a rustle over here on her right, and she looks, and the woman from her vision stands up. She's never seen her before. Stands up and makes her way towards the women's restroom. And she just knew, God, I've got to go. So she took the risk. And she got up and she went. And when she opened the door of the bathroom, this woman standing at the, the sink and she's crying. And my friend looks at her and says, I know why you're crying. You're having an affair with, and she names the pastor. And she said, how did you know? She said, God told me. And you, you need to stop. And she goes, I want to stop. You don't know how many times I've tried to stop. I, I'm, I cannot believe I, we, we've ever done this. I can't believe we keep doing this. She goes, I need help. Will you help me? And, and she said, my husband and I will help you. So she took her to her husband. Her husband was mortified, but he thought, okay, God, you want us to deal with this. And he went and confronted the pastor, and the pastor said, it's not true. And so he was stuck. What do we do? And, and they said, God, if this is true, you reveal it. Well, What happened is as they began to kind of have this conflict moment, his son comes forward and said, my dad is having an affair with her. Now, what I want to tell you is it wasn't too long before this, just a short time before this, any of it came out, I was in a meeting with him, and this this pastor said, I just need prayer. My son has turned away from God, and I don't know why. And what he didn't know at the time is his son had seen him driving, waved, his father didn't notice him, so the son followed him and saw him pull up in front of the house and hug the woman and go inside. And he just decided, if my, there's no God. And he turned away from God, started going downhill. Now here, you want to hear the, the, the moment that I think is good news in this? When the son heard about the vision, he said there is a God, and he rededicated his life. But, um, yeah. But here's what I want you to know. The man lost his church and lost his ministry. But I watched him with tear-filled eyes say, I almost lost my son. Now the church was wounded and devastated. They lost thousands of people. Thousands of people were wounded and hurt because of this man's secret sin. The day that Joshua went to battle, men died because of the secret sin of Achan. God is telling us sin hurts and kills, and that you and I need to understand that we need to be willing to get out of sin. How do you get out of sin? Well, you you take the risk. You tell God, I want to stop. You tell God, I I know you see. I know you know, and and I want help. And then you know what I have to do next? You got to go tell somebody else, which is take the risk. Go and confess it to someone you can trust. You need to do that. I need to do that if we're going to be People that God wants to have victory with. So I need to, number one, have a faithful heart. I must have a faithful heart. I must take the risk. Are you ready for number three? I must speak words of faith. I must speak words of faith. Now, we saw last week that that the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's in Luke 6.45. It says, the good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. The evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. Uh, God says that if I have a a grateful heart, I'll have praise-oriented words. If I have an unthankful heart or an unfaithful heart, I'll complain. I'll speak things I shouldn't speak. But my heart heart dictates my mouth. How I speak, what I say. But if I have a heart of faith, then I'm going to be moved. Moved to say things of faith. Uh, Paul says, this is so huge, that Ephesians chapter 5 verse 3, it says this, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And catch this, and there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral uh, or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, did you catch that? He said, I don't want you to have a filthy mouth. But yet, I got to tell you that, that there's a problem today with people who are Christians that their morality is dictated by the world and not by the word. The word's clear. We shouldn't have filthy mouths. We shouldn't be coarse or caustic in our speech. And that, That's not even fitting. To say we're a Christian, another man who... Um, was concerned about his son, and whenever I hear that, it just gets me, because you guys know I'm praying, praying for my oldest son. So will you pray for me, because I don't know what's happened to him, and I thought, I, I knew his son, and I thought, I don't know what happened to him. Why is he so far off now? He was great at one time, and I said, I'll pray, and I felt really led to pray this. I said, God, I don't know why. You know why. Would you show us why, what's happened? And God ended up orchestrating events because he cares about every detail of our lives. Where I was in a setting that I'm not almost ever in with people I didn't know and didn't know me. And a man said to me, So, what do you do? And I said, I'm the senior pastor of Crossroads Christian Church. He goes, Oh, Crossroads. He said, Yeah, a guy who works for me goes there. And he named the man I just told you about. He said, When I found out he went to Crossroads, I was shocked. And I was hoping you guys could help him. And I said, Help him. He's been attending the church years. And the guy goes, yeah, he has the filthiest mouth of anybody in our company. And he didn't believe he was a Christian. But I I realized something. Do you think he only had a filthy mouth at work or do you think he had it at home? And God showed us what was going on. Now, Now, let's not get judgmental. Let's just get honest. Our mouths and what we say and how we speak comes from the heart. And God wants to bless you. So if you and I get hearts of faith and have actions of faith, we'll have words of faith. If we have a a heart of praise and and believing in God, we're going to have mouths of praise. And, and words matter. Words matter. And we don't want to miss that. I, I mean, you and I, we, we lock words in our mind. When people say good things to you, that locks in your mind. And they say horrible things to you, it locks in your mind. And Joshua was a man, are you ready? Because he had a faithful heart, he had a faithful mouth. And he moved the nation. And he changed them. And he led them. And whenever great leaders do that, we love it. I, I think about when a, when a leader gives a speech and you go, oh, and you watch it make a difference. And we remember those things. Let me give you an example of a phrase I bet you remember. A Republican president said this, read my lips, no, no new taxes. Okay, does most of you know that? Okay, that's good. How about a Democratic president said this, I never had sex with, no, okay, we'll forget that one. <laughs> we'll forget that one. Um I, I've been thinking a lot about people who God used. I think, honestly, God used to make a difference and how their words stirred like Joshua's did. And uh, then I, I thought, okay, we got to kind of experience this together. So I'm going to ask you, you know, watch and listen and see if this doesn't stir you. score, seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, Conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, and live out the true meaning of its creed. Let us go forth to lead the land we love. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Will revive and will prosper. If you seek peace, if you seek prosperity, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I've been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Ask not what America will do for you but what together we can do for the freedom of man. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to stand up for freedom together. All this will not be finished in the first 100 days, nor even perhaps in our lifetime, but let us begin. Mr. Gorbachev teared down this wall. I know not what course others may take, But as for me, give me liberty, or give me death. Free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Wow, yeah. And Joshua is a man of amazing words. I don't know if it got you when you were reading, that you could almost hear it. He stands before the people and said, I now go the way of all men. You know what he was saying? I'm going to die. I'm not afraid. I go the way of all men. And then he began to challenge and call. And he says this in Joshua 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land in which you're living. But as for me, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. I I hope you say that. I hope you look at everybody and, and say, I don't know what you're choosing, but as for me and my house, we're serving God. As for our church, what are we committed to do? We've committed to serve God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We want to be people who have faithful words born out of a faithful heart and faithful lives with faithful actions. It needs courage to do that. And by the way, God will give it to you if you open up. Some of you today, you need courage. You need courage to pray. You need the courage to say the words, let's pray. Let's pray. There are some husbands here you need to walk up to your wife and say, let's pray and have the courage to do it and watch her, watch her respond to a man of God who would do that within her home. They're your kids, a lot of your kids, they need to hear you say, not I'm praying for you, let's pray. I want to pray over you. I want to pray to God right now and we're going to be those kind of people. When someone's hurting, it's easy to say, I'll pray. What if you look at him and say, let's pray and you watch God move in that moment as you really seek him together. Some need courage for that. Some need courage to get baptized. The reason you haven't gotten in those waters is not because you don't know that God wants you to. And if you don't, let me tell you, he does. Jesus said to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Are you ready? We're only to baptize disciples. Nowhere does it say baptize babies. babies. Babies don't know what they're choosing to do. We need to be people who choose to follow God, choose to serve him. And we are to go into all the world and call people to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. The minute they do, what do we do? We baptize them. And you experience God by your choice and your calling and your commitment. And so if you've never done it by your choice because of the calling of God, committed to him, you need to have the courage to be baptized. You need to say, I'm going to follow God no matter what. And you need to have the courage to do it. Some of you today need to have the courage to say this. I have a problem. Now we all know that there's no one in this room who has not sinned. For some reason it's so difficult to look someone in the eye and say, I have an issue in my life and I can't seem to overcome it. I have that secret sin. I've got to get free of it. And God has made us so we confess to him and confess to others that it puts us on a road to freedom. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, a man came up to me when I was over here asking for God's stories. And he said, I want to tell you my God story. He said, "Uh, I started coming to Crossroads. And I wanted to follow God, but there was a problem in my life called pornography. And, And three weeks in a row, I almost walked out and came down that aisle. I knew God wanted me to. I could feel I was fighting him because I just didn't want to admit it. And after three weeks, I thought, no more. I don't know that I can help myself in this area, but I've got to have God. And he walked out, and the tears were flowing. And, in, and I shook his hand here, and he went in the back room. And as God would have it, the man who sits across from him is looking him in the eye, and he said, why are you here? And he said, because I have a problem with pornography. And he was looking at Rick Cheatham, who leads a ministry here to help people out of pornography. God cared about every detail of this man's life. And he's free today. He's finding freedom as Rick and others minister to him. But he needed to have the courage to step out. He needed to have the courage to come forward. And he needed to have the courage to say, I have an issue in my life. And when you do, you begin to find freedom. Some of you today need to have the courage to tithe. You really do. And say, forget arguing with this or waiting. I am just going to step in the River Jordan. I'm going to tithe. Some of you need to have the courage to say what? I'm going to pray to God and finally surrender my life to him. You know God wants you to because he loves you. you felt God drawing you to do this. You just haven't done it. Maybe there's questions. Maybe there's disappointment. Maybe you're thinking, I can't do this till I fix everything, till I get right. Let me promise you something. If you wait till you get right, you'll never do it. Jesus Christ came because he loves you and wants to do it for you, not have you do it on your own. He loves you and cares about you, and so what do you need to do? You need to pray that prayer and say, I really, I'm going to call upon Christ and call upon the cross and call upon his blood to cleanse me and free me and heal me and make me new, and and God wants you to do that. We're about to go to a time, I'm going to ask no one right now, please nobody leave. Don't slip out now and distract from this moment, because there's some people here I believe God wants to give their life to Him right now, and I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to ask you to have courageous words where you whisper to God a prayer with me, where you say, I want to give my life to you. I'm going to ask you in a moment to take a courageous step where you actually come out and walk forward. The Bible teaches this, that one of the things we do is we tell God we mean it and we show we mean it to God and to others by making a courageous move. In the tabernacle, they would go before the priest and say, I've made this decision. Here, we're going to ask you to step out and come. And you're going to sense when you do that, you're going to sense God stirring and touching you. You might be sitting there going, oh, man, I could pray the prayer, but I don't know if I could step out. But I'll tell you, when you step out, you're going to sense God. You really are. You're going to sense him connecting with you. And if you want to bring someone with you, you can. But as you make that walk and let us greet you and head in this room, you're going to see God doing things. And you need to take the risk. You need to do it. So we're going to go to that time of prayer right now. I'm going to ask all those who are Christians, would you start praying and interceding for the people who need to do this? But today, if you're ready to give your life to Christ, Or you need to recommit your life to Christ. You're a Christian, but you're not living wholeheartedly for him. Maybe you just need God to help you or re-fire you up. I want you to know he wants to. He doesn't. He loves you. And he wants to bless you. He wants to delight in you. So come back to him. And today, if you're just hurt, if you've got pain, if you need healing, I'm going to ask you to surrender to God right now and just say, God, heal me. So let's pray. Father, I love that you love us. And I love that you're so close to us when we open our hearts to you and seek to live for you. You direct our steps. You delight in every detail of our lives. And God, I pray right now that there are people sitting here who are ready to say yes to you. Some for the first time, some to recommit if it's gonna happen. And God, I pray for that that person who's a Christian that just needs to come home to you and they need to open up and this needs to be that new day for them. And I pray for the person who's hurting. Oh, there's pain in their heart and life and today, oh Lord God, you want to stir within them. You want to take the pain and take the worry and take the fear away. You want to open them up to love and life. And so I pray, God, right now you're going to touch them. I pray they're, they're open to it. So we ask you help anybody right now, Lord, who needs to give themselves to you completely. I'm gonna lead that prayer right now and I'm gonna ask you, if you're ready to say yes to God, would you pray it with me? Just, just whisper these words. It starts with words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross to forgive me And to cleanse me from all my sin. To heal me from hurt and from pain. To free me from fear. To free me from self and to free me from my past. And I know you want me to be alive and to be new, brand new, and to be yours. And I want this. And I want you So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your Holy Spirit and take me and make me yours completely and help me live life with you because I'm yours now, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, oh wow, praise God.